Proselytus. This is Pastor Patrick Hines here at Birdwell Heights Presbyterian Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. <clears throat> and before we uh, begin, I wanted to share um, a clip, a sound clip of my daughter, uh, my 10-year-old, um, who came up to me the other day. She's been reading Romans on her own, which um, is an absolute delight to me. Just really excited that she um, is just doing that on her own. She came out, comes over to me in the kitchen, and reads the passage, and then and then shares some insights. And I said, "Honey, I want to record you saying this." So I said, "So so hang on, back up, and let's start over. Hopefully, this will this will be loud and clear, so you can uh, so you can hear." Let me turn the volume up a little bit there. This is my my ten year old, just you know, reading Romans. Here's what she said: Romans chapter one, verse twenty seven. Likewise, also the men, leaving the nature use of the women, the natural use, the natural use of women, like of the women, burning in the luck just for another, men with men committing what is shameful and receive to themselves the penalty and the error of which is due. I think that that should be enough for the Presbyterian people to say that we can't that we can't allow the other churches to say it's okay that men sh- could marry men. <laughs> so, maybe I should invite her to the next Presbytery meeting. Oh, we're not saying that they can be married. Yeah, but do, do you get what she's saying, though? <laughs> I, I love that. I love when, you know, little kids, little kids understand uh, things clearer than, you know, seminary graduates and uh, professors and uh, high-profile, you know, big names and uh, in churches and things like that. So, anyway, I wanted to share that. Hopefully, that came through uh, clearly uh, on the uh, microphone here. But I guess we'll find out. Um, I wanted to do a, a program today and talk about um, uh, a couple of, of things here that have come up in, in recent days. Um, uh, someone someone sent me a, a, a link. Yeah, here it is. About uh, Marty Sampson is the guy's name from Hillsong, and Hillsong Church. You know, I don't, I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about it. I know it's, the, it's that big church in in New York City. I'm pretty sure it is with that pastor. His name is Carl Lenz, and I remember watching a video um, of Carl Lenz being interviewed by that that great objective source of journalism called the Huffington Post. Uh, they interviewed him about of course, guess what, the gay stuff, and gay this and gay that. And they asked Carl, you know, what do you think about homosexuality, blah, 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 blah. And his comment was, we have a stance on love, and about everything else we just have conversations. In other words, I will not say that it's a sin, uh, because that's going to make me unpopular, unpopular, and of course, popularity is the most important uh, the most important thing for the church to try to do these days instead of being faithful to the Word of God. So anyway, so here's another person from that, um, that group, uh, Hillsong, Marty Sampson. And let's see, I want to get these in the correct order here. Let's see. Uh, uh, okay, so he, there was apparently something he put on Instagram, I guess. I, I don't, I'm not on any social media accounts, and um, that's, a, that's been a, a really a good thing for me. So there was a... Uh, an article here on relevantmagazine.com culture forward slash culture forward slash Hillsong song, songwriter Marty Sampson says he's losing his Christian faith. Okay, so if this website will pull this up, I can. Uh, I'd like to read through this and just make some comments along the way. Basically, while while the internet's trying to do this, um, 
what this shows us is the importance of uh, theology. It shows us the importance of churches teaching uh, the doctrines of the Christian faith to people. Now, we have to recognize that if that's what our focus is, if our focus is on uh, teaching the, the faith and teaching the doctrines of the, of the faith and the pastoral care of our of our members and um, encouraging uh, faithfulness in the home and faithfulness in marriage and faithfulness uh, to biblical worship and not you know not going down the the uh, the pike of uh, trends and trying to be cool and let's have you know let's be Let's try to be popular. Let's take off some of the rough edges. Let's not address the issue of the LGBT revolution. Let's not do this. Let's not do that. Let's not address gender roles and things like that. Um, we we need to do all of that uh, because if you don't do that, you're you're not being faithful to God. Number one, but number two, uh, you're not really a church at all if you don't teach the doctrines of the faith, specifically and most centrally the gospel of Jesus Christ, and equip people not only to understand that biblically and accurately and thoroughly, but also uh, how to defend that that truth, how to share it with others, uh, how to answer objections and things like that. Those are all really important things that the church has got to be doing. And if it's not doing that, um, then the church is just going to die, which is what's happening. It's, what hap- it's what's happening in America. It's been happening for quite some time. You have churches that they're, they're determined uh, to be cool, to be popular, um, instead of um, determined to be faithful, determined to be faithful to the truth and to biblical worship and things like that. I say that because the the shallowness of the comments that are made by, for example, Joshua Harris, you know, his comments about why he's leaving the faith um, were very shallow. Uh, there was no substance. There really wasn't anything to even really respond to. And the same with this. Uh, so listen... Um, Okay, there's a clarification article. I guess there was a lot of backlash. The original Instagram post apparently is gone. It looks like the the link is broken or something. Okay, Hillsong songwriter Marty Sampson says he's losing his Christian faith. And there's a picture of him holding a guitar with, like, spotlights and a microphone, and he's got his eyes closed and worshiping. Okay, Marty Sampson is a prolific worship music writer, writing and co-writing songs for Hillsong Worship, Hillsong United, Delirious, and Young and Free. Okay, and they've got some videos here, I guess, of some of his songs. Originally from Sydney, he first started leading worship with Hillsong in the late 1990s, though it's been years since he has written music for them. However, this weekend, Samson took to Instagram to inform his followers that, quote, I'm genuinely losing my faith, end quote. Now, here's the post. Here's what, here's what he actually posted on Instagram. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like... What bothers me now is nothing. I am so happy now, so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. Now, just breaking from the quotation here. Uh, Every time a preacher falls, it's all over the news. Uh, Lots of preachers fall, um, and it's always advertised and announced to the whole world uh, constantly. I don't know what what color the sky is here in in, uh, his world, but... How many preachers fall? Many? No one talks about it. That's not true. Everybody talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. Apparently, this guy's never seen someone converted to Christ. Uh, never seen someone go from being a God-hater to a God-lover. Uh, someone who was once a willing servant and slave of sin to loving and desiring true righteousness. That's the greatest miracle that you could ever see. That's greater um, than a paraplegic coming out of a wheelchair and walking. Uh, the changing of someone's heart is the greatest miracle of all. The new birth is the greatest miracle of all. 
How many miracles happen? Not many. Maybe, maybe they don't see that very often at Hillsong. Maybe they don't see people going from being worldly to denying themselves and taking up the cross to follow Christ. Maybe they don't see much of that there. I, I certainly, you know, just, just listening to Carl Lenz and other people talk, I, I can certainly understand why they wouldn't see that there because you have to preach the gospel uh, for that to happen. Okay, he continues. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. Um, people make that kind of assertion a lot. Oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. Like what? Like what? What contradictions? No one talks about it? Uh, have you ever seen Gleason Archer's book? It's back there on my shelf. The Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties, uh, where he reconciles classic passages that people have tried to say are contradictory and shows that they, they actually aren't if you just look at them in their own context. You know, I have, I have some news for people. I know this may be really shocking, but when God gave us his word, his expectation... His expectation was that we would read the verses before and after things that are quoted. Now, you can proof text, well, see, this is a contradiction to that. This, this, this contradicts that. But God's expectation is that you would read it in its context. Read the verses in front of and the verses after various statements so that you could, you know, understand it. Okay, he goes on here. How can God be love, yet send four billion people to a place all cause they don't believe? You see why I talk about the importance of teaching theology to people? Why does God send four people, four billion people to a place, you know, hell? All cause, it's, he spells cause because as apostrophe C-O-Z, all cause they don't believe. That's not why God sends people to hell. God sends people to hell because they are sinful and evil and they violate his laws all day, every day. So it's not because they, they don't believe, it's because they are guilty transgressors of his law now I certainly I've heard that kind of thing many times from people you know questioning their faith and I I just can't understand how a loving God could send so many people to hell just because they never heard of Jesus and you think that's not why he sends them there God sends people to hell because of their sin their willful sin against him because they commit adultery in actual fact and in their mind and in their heart they commit idolatry. They covet. And on and on and on. They, they, they steal. They violate all of God's commandments every day. That's, that's the only basis upon which God does send people to hell. It's not because they don't believe. He says here, no one talks about it. Well, maybe in his experience, nobody does. It, this is the problem. There's no theology here. This guy, who's a songwriter, some, some kind of a, in some kind of leadership position in a church who knows, from, from just from the looks of this, really nothing. He doesn't know anything about, about the Bible. doesn't know anything about the text of Scripture. doesn't know anything about um, the faith, really, at all. These are basic, silly questions. All because they don't believe and no one talks about it? Well, we talk about it here. People have asked me that before. How can God be so loving and send so many people to hell just because they've never heard of Jesus? That's not why he sends them to hell. God sends people to hell because of their sin. Because they're sinners. Because that is what justice requires of them. He says, no one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. Okay. <clears throat> I am not in anymore. I want genuine truth. Not the, I just believe it kind of truth. 
See why doctrine and teaching the word of God matters? Is that what he was told? What's Christianity? Is it really what Soren Kierkegaard said? It's just a blind leap of faith. You just got to close your eyes and jump. You just go for it. What we believe is based upon absolute incontrovertible fact. The fact of the incarnation, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's not, well, I just believe it. It's this is what happened in history. When the apostles went out and preached, they were not giving personal testimonies. We're telling you this because we just believe it. They, they didn't do that. They went out and said, we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. God raised him from the dead, of which we are witnesses. We have seen this stuff. Uh, Peter says in Second Peter, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the coming and power of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter was there at the transfiguration when God the Father spoke, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. They were eyewitnesses of facts, of real history. They, they weren't saying, they didn't go out and share their testimonies. Well, we believe this, we just kind of believe it, and you can have this experience too. That's not it at all. They went out and said, this is what God has done in history. Turn from sin and believe what happened. Believe what is true. Trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's amazing. Listen to that. This guy is a, is a songwriter and a worship leader in a church. I, don't, I, I am not in anymore. I want genuine truth. Not the, I just believe it kind of truth. Wow. What is being taught? What is being taught in churches today about the Bible, about the truth? You know, Jay Gresham Machen's great book, Christianity and Liberalism, been, re been rereading that again. And it was, what this guy is describing is liberalism. This is not Christianity that he's abandoning. This is liberalism he's leaving. There's no substance to any of this. And Machen hammers the point again and again and again. We're not saying we just have neat religious experiences and we just kind of believe it and we've taken a blind leap. We're saying this is based on a real event. The incarnation of the Son of God and what he did in history. Real blood that was RH-typable shed from a real human body on a real cross. That happened. And here's the divinely given explanation of it in scripture. This is what you, you must believe. This is what is true. This is what happened. Not the I just believe it kind of truth. Listen to what he says here next. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion? What does that mean? Does he mean that, well, if we embrace a naturalistic, materialistic, philosophical worldview then, yeah, we're not going to believe religious claims about miracles and things like that. Well, what could be more obvious? The issue is not science and what science is, is piercing. The issue, of course, would be what are the philosophical foundations of doing science? Why is it that science developed after the Reformation with a vengeance by Christians? It was Christians and the Christian doctrine of creation and providence. That's what led to the to the formation of science. That's what led to the huge lunges forward. It wasn't atheism. It wasn't agnosticism. It was the Christian doctrine of creation. Knowing that laws remain law-like over time because of the governing and providence of God. God is the one who imposes, um, imposes uniformity and consistency on his creation. That's what makes man able to subdue the created order, to study it, and to make sense out of it. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Science is not possible without the preconditions that are provided only by Christian theism. Somehow I think that that's never been really talked about at Hillsong. I, I, I bet you it probably hasn't. 
He goes on, lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Man. See, if you could have heard this guy's testimony before he decided he didn't, doesn't believe anything anymore, what would he have said? What was it he believed? Yeah, this uh, this book, this Bible thing, it just kind of changed my life. Just uh, just turn, helped me turn over a new leaf, got me going in, in a new direction. But what about everything that's taught in Scripture? Ah, theologians, they all disagree. and who, who knows what it really means? I mean, what, what would he have said? What was it he believed before? Who knows? doesn't sound like much of anything. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Is that what the new gospel is? Try this and it'll change your life? <laughs> Instead of, the law of God says you're a sinner under the wrath of God. Repent and believe in Jesus and you will be justified and adopted into God's family and liberated from the power and tyranny of sin. What is the gospel that's preached in these, in these groups? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's, it really has much form or substance to it at all. Listen, he goes on to say... Got so much more to say, but for me, I keeping I keeping it real. <laughs> I'm I, he meant I'm keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others, but that's exactly what we're called as Christians to do: is to live our lives for others. It was at Philippians two: um, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but in love and lowliness of heart consider others to be better than yourself. We are to love God and our neighbor. We are to live for others, to lay our lives down for our friends. He says, I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true to me right now. There's a good postmodern statement if I ever heard one. It's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Having jettisoned the only foundation upon which love and forgiveness make any sense, I'm going to tell you to love and forgive absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Of course, what does kind mean? And uh, what what is the standard by which you define what kind means? Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Uh, I would point out that some things um, are good to some people that might not be good to others depending on what their worldview is. So good and kind and generous and love and forgiveness, these are terms that need a standard by which to define them. And I, I'm sorry, but now that you've jettisoned the only standard that exists, God and his word, um, what do you mean by good? Some things are good no matter what you believe. Okay, and it says here, that's, that's the end of his um, Instagram post. Samson's post comes just a few days after famed Christian author Joshua Harris announced over Facebook that he doesn't currently consider himself a Christian. Okay, now, the Joshua Harris thing, um, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, that was the, the book, it was a big fad and big big uh, evangelical kind of craze um, a long time ago. I got the book, uh, it's over there on my bookshelf somewhere, I think it's, uh, might be in that section there. Um, I didn't like it, I, I did not finish it. I read the first uh, 30 pages or so and was like, Neh. I agreed dating culture is bad. Dating culture is just divorce practice. It's not a good idea. Definitely fathers, families need to be more involved in, in this kind of stuff. But he didn't really offer a real solid um, biblical foundation for the courtship model. Um, but certainly dad needs to be involved in, in that sort of thing. And young men need to approach the, the fathers um, when they're old enough to be married, that sort of thing. So anyway, there, there are things that... 
that that book you know answered um, that that are definitely problematic. But I didn't think that it it was really well argued, at least the, the section that I read. So I just discarded it. I usually give will give book a book thirty pages. Um, if you if you haven't really taught me anything in thirty pages, I'm going to be done with it. So Joshua Harris. Now I'd like to get back to the to Marty Sampson here in just a moment, but Joshua Harris. Uh, here's here's a uh, um, an article from Relevant Magazine. I kiss dating goodbye. Author Joshua Harris. I am not a Christian. Author and former pastor Joshua Harris took to Instagram this weekend to inform followers of some major changes to his personal life. On Friday, Harris announced that he no longer considers himself a Christian. Harris shot to fame in the early 2000s with his controversial book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and his follow-up, Boy Meets Girl, Say Hello to Courtship. He's also written about topics like theology in the church. In recent years, he has distanced himself from I Kiss Dating Goodbye and announced that he has asked his publisher to discontinue it. He wrote, my public critique and written in documentary form and the numerous media interviews I've done in the past two years are my attempt to both apologize and spread the word of the problems I see in it. Days after announcing on Instagram that he and his wife were separating, he made another post explaining his new position on faith. And here's what he said. My heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. They are expressions of love, though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of the decision. I am learning that no group has the market cornered on grace. See, there, see it again? Rel relativism and postmodernism is destroying the church. It's just completely and totally overrunning it. And, pe you know, there's a sense in which all of this, as sad as all this kind of thing is and all this apostasy and everything, it's just going to keep growing. And what it's going to do is it's going to have a purifying effect on the church as the pressure to conform to the LGBT revolution and to relativism and, and all this other stuff. As it grows, it's going to clean out the church. And so we can really be thankful for that. I mean, it's actually a good thing that turncoats and traitors um, like this leave. And just, I actually, I have more respect for Marty Sampson and Joshua Harris than people that stay in the church, but they, they actually don't believe anything. Okay, he goes on here. Uh, no one has a market cornered on grace. Of course, that raises the question, what do you mean by grace? <clears throat> this week, I've received grace from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have also been strong words of rebuke from religious people. Yeah, those religious people. Pharisees. While not always pleasant, I know they are seeking to love me. There have also been spiteful, hateful comments that angered and hurt me. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain, remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Let's just be real. I'll just break from the quotation here. Um, the only way to define what a Christian is, is what the Bible says. It's only to, to look at what the Bible says. It's not that, well, there's all sorts of ways you can define what a Christian is. Well... He says, by all the measurements I have for defining a Christian, I'm not a Christian. Well, what, what are all these measurements? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has been born again by the Spirit of God, is a justified, redeemed person. Sin has been dethroned in their life. Um, and God will preserve them and continue that work until the day of, of Christ Jesus. There's no such thing as an ex-Christian. I've, I've taught on this many times. There are apostates who fall away from their profession of faith, uh, but they're not former Christians. 
And uh, he, he may not, you know, he may not really even be saying that he's an ex-Christian or, or not. I'm not really sure, but he says, Martin Luther said that the entire life of believers should be repentance. That's true. There's beauty in that sentiment, regardless of your view of God. Hmm. Well, repentance only makes sense in, in the context of what the Bible teaches about repentance, of what metanoia refers to, which is uh, the turning away from, from sin, grieving over and hating your sin, and turning more and more unto God to live unto righteousness. He says, I have lived in repentance for the past several years, repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my views of women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But, and I kept wondering when this was coming, but I specifically want to add to this list now to the LGBTQ community. I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught on my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. So evidently, he was someone who used to say that sodomy um, and other disgusting, vile, unnatural, dangerous things that people do uh, was sinful, but he doesn't say that now. I regret standing against marriage equality. By the way, nobody believes in marriage equality. He doesn't either. Until you say that anyone, any two entities can get married, you don't believe in marriage equality. So I'm really tired of hearing this marriage equality talk. Until you say that a father can marry his own son, um, you don't believe in marriage equality. Sorry. <clears throat> I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. There it is. I've been warning the congregation that I pastor here for, for years now. You are going to be called a bigot. Just be ready for it. Be ready for it. People will revile you and hate you and exclude you for the sake of righteousness and truth. And it's coming. It's coming. And as more and more people get on the bandwagon here, as more and more people knuckle in and they want to they wanna be considered cool and I, I'm an ally to this cause and everything else, you're going to see more and more people um, joining the, uh, the list of, of apostates. He says, I hope you can forgive me. To my Christian friends, I'm grateful for your prayers. Don't take it personally if I don't immediately return calls. I can't join in your morning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive and awake and surprisingly hopeful. I believe with my sister Julian that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Okay. So there you have a, another individual who has uh, turned away from the faith. And as sad as it is, I'm glad that he did. I'm glad that Joshua Harris had the integrity to just say, I don't believe it anymore. And to just turn away from it, to repudiate it. Obviously, disagree strongly with um, with what he said um, about the LGBT stuff and everything. That, that's not surprising in the least. And you're going to see more and more and more of that. We're going to find out. Um, we're going to find out who real Christians are and who the counterfeits are. And who the, who the fake Christians are. And there's lots of them in the church today. Because of the really shallow preaching and teaching that goes on um, constantly in churches all over this country. Okay, now uh, back to Marty Sampson here. Um, he posted an article here uh, clarifying he hasn't renounced faith, but it's on incredibly shaky ground. So I wanted to, to see what, what this says here. Marty Sampson, the worship music writer who recently revealed he is genuinely losing his faith, clarified that he hasn't renounced his Christianity, uh, that while he hasn't renounced his Christianity, it's nevertheless on incredibly shaky ground. 
Samson, known for penning lyrics for Hillsong Worship, Hillsong United, Delirious, and Young and Free, responded through Facebook comments to a Christian Post op-ed titled, Reaching Out to a Hillsong Leader Who Is Renouncing His Faith. In it, columnist Michael Brown says he prays Samson would have the integrity of heart to seek the truth earnestly with humility and passion, and that all others with questions will put those questions on the table. After emphasizing he truly wants answers to his questions, Samson admitted he's struggling with many parts of the belief system that seem so incoherent, so incoherent with common human morality. <clears throat> there, there, there again, um, what is being taught? What's being taught? What's being taught in, in churches? I, I, apparently, apparently, almost nothing. Apparently, almost nothing. He says, if most of humankind had a choice, will we not rid the world of the scourge of cancer or sickness and disease? He says, wouldn't we rid the world of the scourge of cancer or sickness and disease? Why doesn't God do such a thing? And you think, um, well, he's going to. And for the rest of eternity, there will be no cancer or disease or sickness. What what did um, Marty Sampson, what was he ever taught about eschatology, about the eternal state, about the, the curse-bearing work of Jesus, and how when Jesus came into the world, you, you get a foretaste of the, the healing and the bearing of, of our diseases and sicknesses that, that Christ did, and how one day they will, be, they will be gone from the entire created cosmos for eternity. If most of humankind had a choice, would we not rid the world of the scourge of cancer? Yeah. Yeah, and God's going to. He says, of course, there is an answer to this question, but the majority of typical Christians' life is not spent considering these things. See, here again, I'm wondering, what is, who are these people hanging out with that never think about or talk about anything like this? He says, questions such as these remain in the too hard basket. So no one ever talked about this kind of stuff in the circles that Marty Sampson was in at Hillsong. What that tells me is that they didn't talk about theology, the doctrine of God, God's decrees, um, the, what, what the Bible teaches, so many passages about suffering and the way that God uses suffering in the lives of, of unbelievers and believers. And there's a distinction. The, the suffering that God decrees to take place in the lives of unbelievers, its purpose is very different um, from suffering that's brought into the life of, of believers. But these are actually fairly basic um, Christian teachings and truths and he's like well these are in the too hard basket not in the circles that, that i have walked in for 20 years of course we, i've been taught about theology and about the bible and you know, expositional preaching and walking through the text of scripture well not so much of the church i came from i didn't get expositional preaching there at all but but in general the people that i've listened to over the years have been expositional in their approach to the word of god and have answered these kinds of questions head on he says, the artist who has been with the worship team at Hillsong since he was 16 clarified he wouldn't say he has renounced his faith, but would say it's on incredibly shaky ground. I have and continue to analyze the arguments of prominent Christian apologists and biblical scholars, and I'm open-minded enough to consider the arguments of atheist debaters and debaters from other religions. Don't you think that maybe that should have been done before he became a, a, a worship leader in the church? Maybe? He says, if the truth is true, it will remain so, regardless of my understanding of it. If I search it out, surely it will become even more clearly seen as the truth that it is. Examining a diamond more closer, 
more more closer reveals the quality of the diamond as i am still breathing i am still learning that's right um but to search out the truth you need to search the bible you need to search out the word of god that's the only source of truth that we have this article continues despite his long history with hillsong church samson emphasized his thoughts are his own and do not represent any church adding if anything at all i have ever received from hillsong is is support and the opportunity to follow my own mind and they have always taught what i perceive to be sound pentecostal doctrine well i'm not sure i would use that phrase <laughs> sound pentecostal doctrine i'm not sure those things really go together but but anyway you cannot have well-educated opinions without educating yourself well, he concluded. This is a window into my thought process at the present time. Samson made headlines this week after announcing in a single deleted uh, post on Instagram, I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I am so happy now, so at peace with the world, it's crazy. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? Well, we've, we've already um, uh, been through some of this stuff here. Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, okay, here. I've done that for the last 47 years. Don't be afraid to ask yourself honest questions and to follow the truth where it leads. Um, uh, Brown, Michael Brown uh, said to him. Okay, so don't be afraid, afraid to ask yourself honest questions and follow the truth where it leads. Just don't do it superficially. Be sure to seek God first and foremost, and let's pray for Marty's repentance, restoration, and more. Responding to a comment on whether he is really seeking answers or is just making excuses, Samson said, I really do want answers. I don't want judgment. Uh, if it comes, however, who am I to judge? <clears throat> um, okay. So, all right. There's a little bit more. Okay, that's, that's basically the end of the, end of the article. That's, that's not overly consistent with what he says, said before. He said, I'm losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. But now it's, no, 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 I really, I really do want answers, and I'm listening to atheists and, and Christian apologists. I'd love to know who the Christian apologists are that he's, that he's reading or, or listening to, but I emailed myself these articles, and I put in the subject line, the death of cool, of cruel, cool Christianity and good riddance. Um, the kind of, of seeker-friendly pop, uh, the Bible's useful kind of approach very little theology if any very little contact uh, with the biblical text or serious study of, of theology that is just bound uh, to produce stories like this and they're just going to multiply because this stuff is no match for the cultural pressure that is uh, being put upon us today uh, with the lgbt stuff and 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 all that um the the temptation to be cool the the desire to be popular this kind of theology, this kind of shallow, no catechesis, no no contact with a historical church and the great creeds and confessions of the church is not going to be able to withstand the onslaught. And I think we're going to see more and more and more of this. As sad as it is, as heartbreaking as it is to hear stories like this, it will have a, a positive effect on the true church. It will have a positive effect on real Christianity. Uh, because only those that really are Christians are going to be able to stand their ground against this stuff, are going to have the courage to do it. So I hope that you're among those, and I know that the very small listenership that I have and um, that Thorn Crown has, which, you know, I, it was, it's not that small. I guess it, there's, a, there's a few people that, that listen, which is, which is good. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for every person that, that listens and for the very few that, that do email and, and contact me and thank me for, for some of the content here. Um, you just got to press on and be faithful to the word of God. And no matter what happens, no matter what it costs you, you be faithful to the truth. 
if that means that you're ostracized and hated and are called a bigot and everything else. I mean, Joshua Harris even said, I apologize for my bigotry. Um, folks, pointing out that disgusting, vile, unnatural, dangerous sex acts are sin is not bigotry. Recognizing and having the, the, the stance for truth and understanding that there's no such thing as sexual orientation, that is a myth, that's not bigotry. That is not bigotry. That's just being a conscientious, rational thinking person. So I hope this has been helpful to you, and uh, thank you for watching or for listening. This is Pastor Patrick Hines of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church, located at 108 Bridwell Heights Road in Kingsport, Tennessee, and you've been listening to the Protestant Witness Podcast. Please feel free to join us for worship any Sunday morning at 11 a.m. sharp, where we open the Word of God together, sing His praises, and rejoice in the gospel of our risen Lord. You can find us on the web at www.bridwellheightspca.org. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you.